with that. Let's, let's turn to the book of Romans chapter number 3 and verse 21. And Charles, you can just start it whenever you get a chance. Romans 3, 21 says, But now the righteousness of God without the law of manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this opportunity. We have to be in your house and to be in your, to uh, preach your word. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to hearts through the word of God today. We thank you for Jesus and the hope that we have in him. It is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So I'm sure that all of you have heard that saying before, God helps those who help themselves. That's a well-known saying, and it actually extends all the way back to the ancient Greeks. They said, the ancient Greeks said, the gods help those who help themselves. The saying was illustrated in the first century by, uh, the first century A.D. by Barbius in the fable of Hercules and the Wagoner. And Wagoner has got his, uh, his cart, his wagon stuck in the mud, and he cries out to Hercules to help him get that wagon out of the mud, and, and Hercules tells the wagoner, wagoner to go ahead and take care of that yourself. Aesop also has a variation of this story in his fables when it says that a man, uh, his ship is shipwrecked, and he calls out to Athena to help him because his ship has become wrecked. And in the story, Athena tells him, well, listen, you ought to try swimming first. So as we think about that, is it true that God helps them that helps themselves? And we might think about that and we know that there is some merit to the thought that we just can't pray to God and then do nothing. No. But it is not true when it comes to salvation. God does not help those who help themselves. Today we're going to see that when it comes to eternal redemption, God did what we couldn't do. We could not help ourselves. And so God did it for us. So in Christ we find grace. Salvation is all of grace. None of our merit and all of what God has done for us. And that's what we're going to see today. So we begin by looking at verse number 21, and we see that we are all under sin. Romans 3, 23 actually says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But, but Paul's making a, a, an argument here. In, in all of chapter number 3, he's making this argument about uh, the Gentiles and the Jew, Jews are all sinners before God. He, he explains through there how the law could not save the Jews. The law was given to shut the mouth, to proclaim the guilt of everyone. And he goes on to say in there, by the deeds of the law 
can no man be justified before God. Because by law, by the law is the knowledge of sin. And so there's no eternal life in the giving of the law. We can't keep the law. And the law was given to show us that we are guilty before God. And Paul goes on to explain in this chapter that righteousness comes by faith of Jesus. Through faith in Jesus do we gain righteousness. We don't gain righteousness because of our faith. We receive righteousness through our faith. And, and there may be a subtle difference, but Paul is highlighting this fact to help us see that having a righteous standing before God is all of grace. It is in Christ alone. It's not Christ plus our faith. It's not Christ plus our works. Righteousness comes in Christ alone. So faith is the means through which the gift of righteousness is given. Guzzi quotes, quotes Morris on this and said, Faith is not trusting or expecting God to do something because of what you have done. It is relying on the promise of God concerning the person of Christ as his son and the works of Jesus on the cross. So it's believing the promise that God has given, that eternal life is in Jesus Christ. And so you're trusting that God is going to be faithful to the promise that he has made. We also want to understand that the righteousness that God gives us is not a supplement to our righteousness. It is given separate from our attempts at righteousness. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags in the eyes of God and all of us could try to be as righteous as we can be, but we can never measure up to God's righteousness. We have all missed the mark. We have committed transgression. We have missed the mark of God's righteousness. And so we cannot build up righteousness to gain favor with God. It's because our righteousness fails at the demands of God that we need His righteousness because our righteousness would never be sufficient. You see, it's because of God's righteousness and His holiness that we find that we all have sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. And when we find that it says when all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, actually what that means is that we have all rejected God. God says, be you holy, am I, for I am holy. And we're all like, nah, I don't really think it means be holy. I think it means do the best that you can do. And hey, I've done the best that I can do. And so God ought to accept me because I'm doing the best that I can do. What you've done is you've rejected God's ways. Just like Adam and Eve in the garden. In the day that you eat of that fruit, uh, you're going to die. Eh, well, maybe I don't think I'm going to die. There's no harm in eating that one little piece of fruit. And all of us have eaten that fruit. All of us have tried to determine our own righteousness. All of us have tried to determine our own ways. And in doing that, we have rejected God's ways. We have all taken our stand against God and His demand for holiness. Because all of us want to establish our own righteousness. We want to establish our own way. We want to, well, I think this is good enough for God to accept me. We want to establish our own way. And we can't. God's righteousness is holiness. And, and 
we can never be holy. And so we've rejected God's ways. So when we think about the gift of righteousness through Jesus Christ, what we find out is that when we receive that righteousness through faith, it is the restoration of the glory of God that he has given to us as human beings. And so it's the restoration of a right relationship. And so if Paul says here, for all have come, sin comes short of the glory of God, and there's no righteousness in keeping the law, you might ask an obvious question. Well, then how can I be justified with God? If I'm a sinner and I've transgressed the law of God and I'm guilty, how can man be justified by God? You know, that's exactly the question that Job asked in Job 25. And so we want to think about that. How can we be right with God? If we're guilty of breaking the law and all of us have been uh, are guilty and we have sinned against God, then how can we be brought back into a right relationship with Him? Today, that's what we're going to see. That we're only able to be brought back into a right relationship with God in Christ. It is because you are in Christ that God declares you just. Here's what we also need to see. If you are not in Christ, God views you as guilty, deserving of punishment. And we know the punishment is death and hell for eternity. So if you are not in Christ, you are guilty before God. But if you are in Christ, God has declared you righteous, just. And that's what we're going to see today. So again, Job asked that question, how can a man be right with God in Job 25? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought, how are you going to be made right with God? Or why are you right with God? And why would God declare you just? And as we think about that question, we we need to think about the fact that God can't just lay aside His law. He can't say, well, I want to save people and, and so therefore I'm just going to forget about all my righteousness and all my holiness and the law that I have given and I'm just going to set that aside. God can't do that because that wouldn't be just. His law has to be satisfied. Neither can he just forget about his righteous requirements of holiness. He can't just overlook the fact that men have rejected him, choosing to attempt uh, to establish their own righteousness. So, so the requirements of the law have to be satisfied. Yet men have to be holy. So how's that going to happen? Paul answers that question in our text. How can man be justified with God? He can be justified with God because God justifies him freely. Look at verse 24. Being justified freely by his grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God justifies man freely. What's the word justified mean? 
justified is the legal and formal acquittal from guilt. And so it's a legal term. It's a, it's a word that you would hear in a courthouse to be justified. And in the eyes of God, what it means that those who are in Christ, God says you are free from guilt. God who stands there as the holy righteous judge that says the soul that sins, it must die. And you have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But those who are in Christ, he says, I declare you just. I declare you not guilty. I declare you righteous. And that word, being justified freely, it's in the uh, present continuance sense, which means that it's a, a constant process of justification. God's, the blood of Jesus Christ, continues to justify us. And we also see they're being justified freely. What's it mean, freely? That means without a cause. You know, some will think that God looked down through time to see those who would believe, and it, are those, and, and it is those who God sees that would believe that He chooses to save, that He chooses to justify. But if that were the case, then that would be saying that God was choosing you and justifying you based upon the fact that you would have faith, which would be a work that you have done. It would be God owing you a debt. But here we see it's justified freely. No cause is needed. It's in spite of who we are that God chooses to justify us. But then we also see we're justified freely. We're declared righteous by God and it's freely. It doesn't cost us anything. Not one good work is required for us to be justified. Then well, how is it? Verse 24 tells us, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We understand that we are justified freely because of redemption. And the redemption in Christ. Now that word redemption is, in its origin, meant the price that was paid to release a prisoner from war. And it was what was known as a ransom. You had prisoners of war and if you wanted to buy back a prisoner of war, you would pay the ransom, and then the prisoner of war, upon the reception of the ransom, would be freed. They would be redeemed. Later on, it was a term that included the freeing of slaves by the payment of price. That's what the word redeems means. So what do we see? Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus we are able to be justified freely because Jesus paid the price. There's a song. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. He gave me something worth living for. You see, he paid my debt. I owed a debt I couldn't pay. But Jesus chose to pay that debt. And God receives the blood of Jesus Christ as the payment, the death of Jesus Christ. God received the death of Jesus Christ in the place of my death. Jesus stood in my place. It's called the substitutionary atonement. Jesus was the substitute. My sins required death. But Jesus Christ stood in my place and suffered my death on the cross. And because He suffered my death, 
God is able to declare me just. I am able to be redeemed. And so it tells us, verse 25, how is it that God would justify us freely? Verse 25 says, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. The first thing we see here is God sent Jesus forth. Think about this. In eternity past, before the world began, before God said, let there be light, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit was present. And they had their counsels. And this is the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. It is the plan of God that he decreed before he spoke this world into existence. And the eternal Godhead knew that men were going to sin. And they made a covenant one one with another. And the Father made a covenant with the Son. And the Father said, Son, if you'll go pay the price, I will give you a people. And the Son said, Father, if you will give me a people, then I will go and pay the price. And the Holy Spirit said, if you will give the Son a people, and if the Son will pay the price, then I will go down and draw them unto you. So Jesus says later on, all that the Father giveth to me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I'll in no wise cast out. And so when, when we see that God sent forth his Son, God sent His Son to pay the price. God sent His Son to be the sacrifice. It's this covenant that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit made with one another. And it's the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. It's already determined before time began that God's people would be saved. And so we see that Christ came because God sent Him to this earth. Pause and think about that for just a minute. You are redeemed today if you are in Christ. Now again, this promise is only to those who are in Christ. Those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. This promise is only to them. Because if you're not in Christ, you're still under the sentence of your sins, which is death. But if you're in Christ, recognize that before God spoke this world into existence, He chose you to be His own. And he sent his son to say, and I'll just use myself as an example. Mark Campbell's going to be a sinner, and he's going to need a redeemer, and I'm going to send you to redeem him. I want you to think about this. For Christ Jesus came not into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. When Jesus came to this earth, he knew the reason he was coming. He knew the reason he was coming was because you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And you were guilty before God. And he's going to take your sins upon himself. And he's going to die in your place. And he's going to set you free from your sin. See, this is what you have in Christ. Because you were in Christ. So God sent his son to be a propitiation. Now, that's a, a word that is not common, everyday word, but Woist uh, says that it is in its classical form was used at the act of appeasing the Greek gods by act of a sacrifice. 
In other words, the sacrifice was offered to buy off the anger of the gods in Greek mythology. To the, to the Jew, that term was used to signify the mercy seat. The mercy seat and the holy of holies that sat on the Ark of the Covenant that was used to cover that place where the blood was sprinkled upon the mercy seat to cover the sins of the people. Vine says in his expository dictionary, Christ through his expiratory death means reparations for guilt. Christ through his death is the personal beings by whom God shows the mercy of his justifying grace to the sinner who believes. His blood stands for the voluntary giving up of his life by the shedding of his blood in an expiratory sacrifice under divine judgment righteously due to us as sinners. So what's he saying here? He's saying that your sins deserved death. And Jesus came to stand in your place. Propitiatory actually means to satisfy the wrath of God. You know, the wrath of God is going to be poured out on all ungodliness, right? One day the wrath of God is going to be poured out upon all the sin that's in this world. And one day this world is going to experience the wrath of God. That's what you find in the book of Revelation. I know people don't like to think about it that way. But one day the wrath of God is going to pour out, be poured out on this world because of sin. And you deserve the wrath of God because you have sinned. But because Jesus satisfied the wrath of God on your behalf, you're able to be declared just. You're able to be declared righteous. You see, God doesn't just sweep our sins under the rug. God doesn't just forget about them like they never happened. No, he punished his son on our behalf. That's why the cross of Christ should be so dear to us. Because it's on the cross I see Jesus dying. I see Jesus dying for me. I see him suffering the wrath of God on my behalf. And that's why when we look into the book of Isaiah and we see that God shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied that I can see that every sin that I ever committed deserved the wrath of God. Jesus died and satisfied that wrath for me. And God's satisfied with that. The payment that was paid, God was satisfied with it. It's not Jesus dying on the cross plus my faith. It's not Jesus dying on the cross plus my baptism. It's not Jesus Christ on the cross and me living the best that I can live. No, it's Jesus Christ on the cross is the way that the wrath of God is satisfied. And so then, because it is that way, what's it say also in verse 24? But being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be propitiation through faith in His blood. So it is through faith in His blood. And again, like we said at the beginning, faith in His blood means my faith has nothing to do with it. It's not God saw, sees my faith and so therefore He's going to save me. No, I have nothing to do with my salvation. It's all of God. But I still have faith 
that God is going to be faithful to the promise that he made to his son. And the promise that God made to his son is if you'll pay the price, then I will redeem them. And so I'm trusting in the faithfulness of God, that God is going to be faithful to the promise that he made to his son. And it is through faith in the blood that I can be justified or I can be made right with God. Question is today, are you right with God? Are you right with God? Have you believed in the blood of Jesus Christ? Have you trusted the promise that God has made? That the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from sin? That God will be satisfied with the sacrifice that Christ makes? And we can be just before God because of the blood of Jesus Christ? And another question that comes. And really a deeper question might be asked. How can God declare one to be just and still be just himself? How can God say that this one's just and still yet require the penalty of death for this person dying in their sins? People ask that question. How can God let this one go free and pour out his wrath on another. And we find here the answer is to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. The reason that God can declare this one just is he declares the righteousness of Christ in that person's stead. The righteousness of Christ is that which one that brings redemption. Now Paul in his argument here in Romans chapter number 3 is actually talking about Old Testament saints before the death of Christ. And how could he declare them Christ? It tells us through the forbearance of God. In other words, those that had committed sins before Christ, how could they be declared just? It's because they were looking forward to the Messiah and trusting in the Messiah that would come that would pay the price. And God forbore their sins until the death of Christ was made. But we also can hold on to this and we can see that it is because of the cause of the righteousness of Christ that we can be declared just. There is no other foundation of how God can be just and a justifier of those that are ungodly other than the righteousness of Christ. You see, the point is, God didn't just let my sins go unpunished. And if you're in Christ, God didn't just let your sins go unpunished. No, he punished Jesus for your sins. He poured out the full extent of his wrath on your, on your sins. Hebrews speaks about every sin receiving a just recompense of reward. In other words, every sin will be punished. The punishment will be enacted upon the offender. So every person that's guilty deserves to die. But this is the glorious truth of what we're studying today. Jesus took our place as an offender. He bore our sins in his body on the tree. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He stood guilty. 
He suffered condemnation. He was spat upon. He was beaten. He was bruised. He was shamed. He became an an offender on our behalf. He suffered the wrath of God. And our satisfaction. God is satisfied that the penalty for our sins has been paid when He poured out His wrath on His Son. You see, this is the place that God did something we couldn't. We can never satisfy the wrath of God for our sins. That's why the torments of hell are eternal. Because those who are guilty before God can never pay their debt to God with their suffering. No amount of suffering in hell will satisfy the wrath of God. Your sins are so many. And it's, and it's just the first sin of rebellion against God. That sin is so grievous that you can never pay off your debt. But that's why salvation is so glorious to those of us who are in Christ. Because we recognize that Jesus Christ paid an eternal debt that we could never pay. Jesus did for us what we could never do for ourselves. We couldn't help ourselves because we could never satisfy the wrath of God. But Jesus did. See, to declare I say, verse 26 says, at this time, His righteousness. You see, it's the righteousness of Christ Because of the righteousness of Christ that God can declare us judge. And declared is pointing out. God is pointing out to everyone. This one is righteous. This one is just. This is the end result for all who trust in Christ. They are declared righteous by God. The reason that God is able to declare the one who trusts in Jesus as just is because that Jesus paid that debt. You believe in Jesus. See, it even tells us there, to declare, to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of Him which believeth in Jesus. So it's the fact that we believe in Jesus that God can declare us righteous. God poured out His holy wrath on His Son and the, pay, the sin debt was paid. And so because Jesus Christ died in our place, the righteousness of Christ is placed in our account and God now declares us just. Never forget that if you're in Christ. God declares you just. Not, oh, if I do this and I do that and I do these other things and you know because of all that, then I will be just in the eyes of God. No. Your trust that Christ died in your place. God sees you as just. Never forget that. And I know that's difficult for us to see sometimes because we all see our imperfections. We all see the places every day where we fall short of who God uh, desires for us to be. We, we know that we have sin in our life because we're not perfect and, and, and we need the grace of God daily. But we all need to remember that in the courthouse of God, God has declared you just. He's made you holy. You see, the transaction is not unjust. 
Because the debt has been paid. Someone might say, well, it's not fair that God declares this one just and this one unjust. That he declares, lets this one go free and he requires this one to pay their sin debt. They might say that's unjust. But it's not unjust because this debt, he's not really letting this one go free. He punished Jesus for this person's sins. You know, a few weeks ago, or early in the morning, um, I was scrolling through Facebook and I, and I saw one of my former football players said, I got a job interview and I need a jump. Is there anyone that lives close that can give me a jump? And I thought, this young man's had a rough place in life. I'm going to drive over and give him a jump. So I drove over to give him a jump and, and while we were there, we were discussing and, and he says, boy, I, you, you know, I asked him a couple of questions and asked him about, I looked at his battery and I'm like, you need a new battery. And he's like, yeah, I know I need a new battery, but I'm unemployed. I can't afford a new battery right now. That's why I need this job. That's why I need to get to this job interview because, you know, whatever. So knowing this young man's had a horribly difficult life, if, if I would go into and explain it to you, you would know how difficult of a life he's had. And he's trying to do good. He's trying to get a job. And by the way, he got the job, and he's now working, so I'm thankful for that. But anyway... I just went up to CarQuest and I said, so-and-so is going to come and get a battery. It's such and such dollars. I wrote him a check and I said, give him a battery when he comes in. Okay. Now, when that young man gets there to get the, get the battery and it's already been paid for, would it be right for, the car, uh, for CarQuest to say, I know it's already been paid for, but you've got to pay for it too. Would that be right? No, it wouldn't be right. It's already been paid for, right? Paid in full. It's already done. It's already been paid for. That's the way that Christ has done your sins if you're in Christ. God's not going to come back to you and say later on, but what about that sin you committed on January the 28th, 2024? I'm going to hold you guilty for that sin. No. Christ paid our sin debt. Past, present, future. He, Christ died for all of our sin. God poured out His wrath on Jesus Christ for all of our sin. And God has said, I'm justifying you freely so you are declared just by God. God is not going to hold you accountable and hold you guilty for your sin because your sin debt has already been paid in Christ. See, this is why God can be just in requiring these people pay their sin debt because their sin debt has not been paid. And the justifier of those who trust in Christ because Jesus Christ paid the sin debt for those who trusted in Christ. The penalty that the law demanded has been satisfied in Christ. The transgression has been paid for. See the glorious truth. How can a man be just with God? How can a man be right with God? Only because Jesus has paid their sin debt. Paul then goes on and asks the question, where is boasting then? It is excluded. So where is your ability to boast? You have none. You can't say, oh, but think about what a faithful Christian I was. No, you're a, 
sinner dead in your trespasses and sins and you were guilty and you deserve to die. Oh, but look what I did. I did this and this and, and you're guilty and you deserve to die. You deserve to be in hell. But God gave you eternal life. You cannot boast. But that's why we also shouldn't look down on others who are not redeemed yet. Because there's no difference between them and us other than we believed in Christ. They're sitting under the same penalty for sin that we deserved. God was gracious to us. God gave us eternal life because we believed on Christ. Justification solved the problems of man's guilt before a righteous judge. Gudzik says it's easy to see how someone could only be, uh, could only be just. It's easy for us to see that. But let's remember, justification solves the problem of man's guilt before a righteous judge. Redemption solves the problem of man's slavery to sin, the world, and the devil. And propitiation solves the problem of our offending our Creator. You see, justification in Christ Jesus satisfies the problem of sin. So, does God help those who help themselves? No. When it comes to eternal life, God does not help those who help themselves. God does what we couldn't do. We couldn't satisfy the wrath of God. But through Jesus Christ, the wrath of God is satisfied on our behalf. He paid a debt he did not owe. He paid a debt that we could never pay. He gave us eternal life. So today the question is, are you in Christ? Have you believed through faith that God has promised to give eternal life to all of those who will follow Christ? To those who put their faith and trust in Him. The question is, are you in Christ? If not, you're still sitting underneath the penalty of your sins, which is death. If you're in Christ, be thankful that today God has declared you just. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. And I pray, God, that you will speak to the hearts of people. And I pray that you will encourage those that are saved. And God, I pray that you will convict those that are lost. And I pray that today one might see their need for Jesus. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.